0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thy intercession, was made. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto Thee, O virgins, O virgins, our mother. To Thee did we come, before Thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother, the word incarnate despise not our petitions, but in Thy mercy, hear it ends. Lady Seat seed of wisdom and spouse of the Holy Spirit. St. Joseph, St. Alphonse Liguori, St. Anthony Mary Claret, St. Paul of the Cross, St. Louis de Montfort, St. Bernardino Santa, St. John Capistrano, St. Francis, St. Anthony, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, tonight we come to the end of the mission. Tonight's conference is on hell. I mean, excuse me, heaven. We did that last night. But uh, once again, we started off with death. And we spoke on the certainty of death, but the only thing that we're uncertain about is the time of our death. And then we spoke on the judgment, the particular and the general. We had an intense examination of conscience. And then last night, we spoke on that horrible topic, hell, and uh, tonight's a lot lot better. The topic is on heaven. But I'd like to just touch upon one thing before I speak on heaven, because uh, I have a book here called Jesus, King of Love, and it's written by Father Mateo. He was a great man. And Father Mateo was the one who founded, started the home enthronement of the Sacred Heart. And this book is really goal, I encourage everyone to get it, because if you don't love Jesus after you read this book, you will. It will really set your heart on fire. But one thing, when you when I do a mission like this, and, you know, the whole thing is to get people in the confessional so that they'll have true sorrow for their sins and mend their life, and and that's good, and it's happened, and there's been a lot of miracles, thank God. But sometimes we can get a little scrupulous, You know, and I just want to read you a true story Father Mateo speaks of in his book. Uh, It's right here. He says, one of the many souls who regard Jesus as a tyrant was preparing to make a general confession for a hundredth time. Restlessly, she spent the days of her retreat writing down the sins of her whole life. She neither meditated nor prayed. She was entirely absorbed in an examination which stifled her. At last, she went into the confessional. She read out the list of her sins, repeating and explaining over and over again in fear and trembling. When at length she thought she had finished, a voice was heard which gently And very sadly said, you have forgotten something very important. I thought I must have, she answered, terror stricken and hastily prepared to read it all again. Your sin is not in your notes, continued the voice. And it offends me much more than all that you have said. Accuse yourself of lack of trust. That voice moved her to the depths, and she sought to ascertain if it was really her confessor. The confessional was empty. Jesus had come to give her a supreme lesson. Don't forget this. This is a true story, and it's important. Don't get me wrong, we have to have sorrow for our sins, amendment of life, but we also have to trust in Jesus, in His forgiveness. Okay, always remember that. Make acts of trust, confidence, and love in God. He's not a tyrant. The tyrant is Satan who can't wait to get you in hell. And then you'll see. So today we'll speak about heaven. And it's important for us to meditate upon heaven constantly to keep it before us. Remember, if you keep your end before you, you will not sin. God created you for heaven to be with him for eternity. He didn't create you for hell. Never forget that. So we want to meditate upon heaven. And when we do, it helps us to bear patiently with the afflictions of this life and to offer them to God in return for the sufferings which Jesus Christ endured for love of us. All these afflictions that we suffer in this world will one day have an end and will, if we save our souls, become to us sources of joy and happiness. In the kingdom of bliss, John, in the Gospel of John, it says, your sorrows shall be turned into joy. What can we say of these joys? when the most enlightened of the saints knew not how to describe the happiness which God has prepared for his faithful servants. St. Paul, in 1 Corinthians, he quotes Isaiah, and he says, I has not seen or ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared for those who love him. It's impossible for us to even grasp it. Because we're we're stuck in this world. At the present time, it is impossible once again for us to comprehend this happiness of heaven. Because we have no idea but of earthly enjoyment. St. Bernard says, do you wish to know what is in heaven? There is nothing there that gives displeasure. There is everything that delights. Worth reading again. He says, Do you wish to know what is in heaven? There is nothing there that gives displeasure. There is everything that delights. When we want to go to the book of Apocalypse, chapter 21, and we read from St. John And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth was gone. And the sea is now no more. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself with them shall be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Nor mourning, nor crying, nor sorrow shall be any more. For the former things are passed away. I say, so when you read these few verses, it should fill your heart with Joy. Too many times we pick up the scriptures and we read it like we're reading the regular book. It's not just a book. It's the word of God, the Holy Spirit. It pierces your heart if you let it. But you have to read it slow, meditate. And There's many things in here that just should fill you with joy that I just read. He's telling us that God says, behold, the tabernacle of God with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself with them shall be their God. We are going to dwell with God forever in eternity. When we read this, we know, we come to the conclusions we could see that in heaven there is no infirmity. You can't get sick. In heaven there is no poverty, no distress, no change of days and nights, nor cold or heat. We don't have to worry about all these things in heaven. In heaven, there'll be no persecution. I don't know about you, but I look forward to that. It gets, after a while, it gets pretty uh, tough, you know, when you're constantly persecuted. And those of us are faithful Catholics. If you're living the life, you will be persecuted. Our Lord warns us a million times. He says, they will drag you out of the synagogue. Today, I say they will drag you out of the chancery. They will scourge you. They will will kill you in my name. We are experiencing this. But in heaven, it's going to be gone. No more persecution. No more persecution starting from your own family. That's where it starts, right? Remember our Lord said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword to put mother against daughter, father against son, was it? Because that's what happens when you do what's right in this world, you're going to be persecuted, but that's going to be all gone. In heaven there will be no envy, no jealousy. Imagine that. Okay? The woman won't have to be worried about who has a nicer dress on or whose hair is nicer and all that stuff, you know. All that'll be gone. In heaven, all will love one another and each will rejoice in the good of the other as if it was his own. This is awesome. There'll be everybody. Some people say, you know, I don't want to go to heaven if you're going to be there. Imagine spending eternity with you. And you know what they said? We're going to be shocked who's in heaven. You know, hopefully we're going to be there. But in heaven, once again, everyone will love one another. There will be no more dissension, no more fighting. This is going to be great. Even people that you don't get along with in this world, if you both make it to heaven, you're going to love each other. This is great. Each will rejoice in the good of the other. Which means in heaven, once again, yesterday I told you that in hell, the more evil you did in this world, the more you sinned the deeper you will go into the pit of hell. But the opposite is in heaven. The more holy you are, the more merit you acquire in this world, the greater will be your joy in heaven. But once again, if you see someone, you're going to be many people holier than you. That's the way it is. But it's not going to upset you because you're going to be totally content. It will bring you joy when you see someone holier than you. I remember reading St. Anthony of Padua once, he appeared to someone, and he is a great saint. I mean, he was so pure. Look, our Lord appeared to him as a baby and let him hold him. He was a holy man. But he appeared to someone, he says, if you think I'm holy, wait till you get to heaven. Wait till you see how many people are holy than me. People that no one even knew about. They were just hidden souls. But it won't bother you. This is great. Even if your mother-in-law is going to be in a higher spot than you, it's not going to bother you. Okay. In heaven, there will be no fear. This is something awesome. No fear. Because the soul will be confirmed in grace and can no longer sin nor lose his God. Confirmed in grace. What a, You can never lose God once you make it into the gates of heaven. Just the opposite. Yesterday I told you. Those that go to hell, there's one gate. One admission gate. There is no exit. You'll never get away from Satan and all those demons and all the other reprobates. In heaven, the exact opposite. Okay? The exact opposite. There'll be no fear. Fear is a horrible thing. A servile fear I'm talking. You see people in this world, fear leads to sin. And the devil loves it. How many young women get pregnant and they're out of fear because they know their mother and father will be upset with them. They kill their own baby. Fear is horrible. Many other sins take place because of fear. But there'll be no fear in heaven. Perfect love casts out all Fear. And you will be with perfect love. You will be with Jesus for all eternity. Yesterday, I went over the pains of hell that the body participates in sin, therefore, the body must experience pains in hell for eternity. The soul participates in sin, therefore, the soul will suffer the torments in the three faculties memory, will, understanding. Well, in heaven, it's the exact opposite. Your body helps get you to heaven, therefore your body will have a great joy in heaven, and so will your soul. And so we look at the senses. In heaven, your sight will be glorified and will bring you much joy. Read the book of Apocalypse. It describes the city of heaven. It's going to be a city made up of gold, crystal, silver, adorned with flowers. It's going to bring great joy. When you see beautiful things in this world, it brings you joy. It brings me joy. When you, see, I love the mountains. You watch the sun rise, the sun set. It's beautiful. It should lift up your heart to God when you see these things because it reflects God's perfection and beauty. And you could just sit there for hours and just... Look at the mountains or the ocean, whatever. It's just awesome. Some of the saints, like St. John of the Cross, when he would see a flower, he would go into ecstasy. Because it was so beautiful. And that reminded him of God. Everything is supposed to point to God. In heaven, our eyes will be glorified and we will experience much joy. Because we will see how beautiful the appearance of the citizens of heaven will be. All the souls in heaven will be beautiful. And I'm going to go over that. The body. But one soul in heaven. If we were to see a glorified body here now. It would fill you with so much joy. That you would die of joy. You couldn't behold the glorified body now. So all the saints in heaven. Everybody in heaven would be a saint. At that point. Okay. It will be Beautiful. And one of the things that I look forward to more than anything in heaven is that we're going to be able to behold the saints. The saints that we pray to our whole pilgrimage here on earth. You'll, you'll be able to see your patron saint. The church loves us so much. The church insists that when we're baptized that our parents must give us a saint's name. Why? Because they want us to get, the church wants us to get to heaven. And that saint protects us. And you'll see that saint when you get to heaven. You'll see all the other saints that you have devotion to, that prayed for you. You know, during this mission, you hear me praying and quoting all the time, St. Alphonse Liguori, St. Anthony Mary Claret, St. Francis, St. Bonaventure. I can't wait to meet all those saints. Okay? And they'll be happy to see me. They'll be happy to see you. This is going to be great one of the greatest sights we're going to behold in heaven is that we will finally be able to hold behold the mother of god we will see her she has a glorified body you're going to live forever with the blessed mother that is so awesome she is so beautiful no words can ever describe her i remember reading about our lady of lords and in our, uh, when after the apparitions they wanted to make a statue of Our Lady. And so they got, they, they got the greatest artist in France and they went to work with Saint Bernadette. And so every time she would describe how beautiful Our Lady was, he would make the statue. And she, and he was so proud and he would unveil it and she would say, Nope, it comes nowhere near to the beauty of Our Lady. Cause you can't, you can't describe it. And he was very upset, of course. But she is beautiful. And you're going to be able to behold her for the rest of your life. And the greatest thing that we'll be able to hold, behold in heaven is Jesus Christ in the flesh. Jesus Christ still has a body in heaven. A glorified body. And you'll see it. And he still has the wounds in his hands, in his feet, in his side. But the wounds will be glorified as a constant reminder to us for all eternity that he died for us that he loves us so much he gave everything for us down to the last drop of his blood and this will bring you much joy in heaven our sense of hearing will be glorified in heaven our ears will be delighted with celestial harmony you will hear the angels singing beautiful Praises to God, the Holy Trinity. I remember once St. Francis of Assisi said that an angel appeared before him and was singing, chanting and playing some instrument. And he said that he was filled with so much joy. He had to beg the angel to stop and leave because if the angel didn't, he would have died. He said he couldn't take it no more. He was so filled with joy. Imagine how awesome it's going to be to hear these saints, the angels sing. We'll hear the Blessed Virgin Mary sing the praises of God. Like I said, I didn't hear no singing here this week in the church, but in most parishes, the voices are horrible. You, You want to cover your ears when the people start singing. But everyone in heaven will have a great voice, better than Andre Bocelli or anyone else. Okay, and it's a, it's a great gift to be able to sing. Remember St. Augustine, I remind people, he said, he who sings well, not just sings, he sings well, prays twice. But it's going to be great joy. It's going to bring you much pleasure to hear these beautiful sounds in heaven. Like I said, those that go to heaven, they will receive a glorified body. And there are four characters, four qualities we could say to a glorified body, the first we would call beauty or brightness. The body of each one of the elect will shine like a star, brighter than a star. Yet each will differ and shine with greater or less splendor, according as their life on earth has been more or less holy. So everyone in heaven, their body is going to be so beautiful, so bright. We will be brighter than the sun, the least in the kingdom of heaven. But it depends. The holy you are in this world, the more merits you accumulate, the more beautiful you'll be in heaven, the more glory. And the more glory you receive, the more glory you'll give to God for eternity. And that should inspire you more than anything. That you'll give more glory to God. I never forget St. Alphonse Gori tells a story. About this holy nun she passed away she died she had a terrible illness for many years before she died and she suffered tremendously so she she died and she appeared one day to one of the other sisters in the convent and she said to the nun in heaven the saints want for nothing you cannot desire anything in heaven you're totally content she says, but if we can desire anything, if she can desire one thing, she said she would desire to come back to the earth, to earth, and suffer the pains that she had, and even worse, she said, till the end of the world. You hear that? Listen why, she said, because it would be worth, worth it. She said, for the extra glory God gives you, for saying one Hail Mary with devotion, She said, it is worth suffering thousands of years. Do you hear that? You can't outdo God in generosity. And she says, if you say one Hail Mary with devotion, it's worth the merit you will get in heaven if you save your soul. It's worth suffering a thousand years, ten thousand years. Remember that when you pray your rosary. Remember that the minute you wake up, all the acts of love that we can make. To God during the day. Let's not waste our time. Saint Alphonse Ligurie, he took a fourth vow never to waste time, and he lived it. So all the bodies in heaven, once again, they'll be brighter than the sun. They'll be beautiful. The next gift is impassibility. And that means that the body will be incapable of suffering. It will never be sick or infirm. It will not grow old or unsightly. It will not hunger or thirst. It will not experience hot or cold. You'll never be sick again. You never have to worry about your hair falling out. None of that. You won't have to worry about going on diets anymore. You're going to have a perfect body. This is. This is something that we have to meditate when your body's killing you in this world because we're dying every day. We're dying. It's a sign of original sin. Our bodies are falling apart. And how do you deal with that? Meditate that I may be suffering now. I may not be able to walk now, but in heaven, I will have a glorified body and will help you get through these trials. The third gift is the gift of agility. And this gift and the next one really blows my mind. Because God's going to give us these gifts if we make it to heaven. And he doesn't do anything just for the heck of it. For no reason. There's a reason why he's going to give us these two gifts. And I can't wait to find out. But the first one, agility, means that we our bodies will be able to uh, tr- <clears throat> travel at the greatest distance with the speed of thought. You hear that? In, in other words, like. Right now, if you had a glorified body, just say, you're thinking California or Italy. You're there. Your body will travel that distance that quick, as quick as you think. So if he's given us this gift in heaven, it's of course we're going to need it. And it's going to bring us a lot of joy. I wish I had that this weekend. I don't want to get on a plane going back to New York. I hate flying. The last gift is a gift of subtlety. And that's the faculty of penetrating all matter, of passing in and out wherever one wills. Remember when Jesus rose from the dead and he came to the apostles? He didn't knock on the door. No, he just walked right through the wall. You two will have a body like that. You too will have a glorified body where you're not bound by the laws of gravity or anything. And you'll be able to walk through mountains and anything else. Once again, why is God going to give us that gift? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. And so, of all these gifts that bring us joy, they are the least of the blessings of heaven. The good which constitutes heaven is God himself, the sovereign good. The reward which God promises us is not merely the beauty, the harmony, and the other joys of this blessed city. The chief reward is God himself. That is to see and love God face to face. We will. That is the beatific vision. That is the ultimate gift of heaven. We will see God as he truly is. At the present, there is a veil before our eyes. And God is seen only with the eyes of fate. But what will be our joy when the veil is removed and we see God face to face? We shall see the infinite beauty of God, his infinite greatness, his justice, his perfection, his infinite love for us. This is what we have to look forward to if we're faithful in this world. And we have to desire heaven. Heaven. I forgot which saint it was I was reading once that she had to do some time in purgatory. You know why? Our Lord said because she did not desire heaven enough. So we have to desire heaven. I want to read to you from St. Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24. He says, know you not that they that run in the race all run indeed, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain and every one that striveth for the mastery reframeth himself from all things. And they indeed that they may receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible one. I therefore so run not at not as at an uncertainty. I so fight not as one beating my, the air, but I chastise my body. And bring it into subjection, lest perhaps, when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. St. Paul is telling us, he's referring. look at the, the Greeks at that time. You know, they had the Olympics. And he says they would do everything to win what? A crown that withers. So they would starve themselves. They would do exercise and do everything just to win a race for what? Crown that with his He says, Our crown is imperishable. How much more should we be chastising our bodies, fasting, praying, doing penance, so that we can get a prize that will last for eternity? Many times I've seen specials on the Olympics, even in our time, and you see that these people being interviewed. And so from when they're young kids sometimes, three, four years old, their mother and father want their children sometimes to live their dream. And so they have their kids waking up to ridiculous hours, working out six, eight hours a day, going to school. They have to get the highest marks. And they go throughout their whole life, what, to win a gold medal? Now, I'm not telling you that's bad in itself. But if that's the end in itself, it's no good. Imagine if we took all that zeal and put it into becoming saints. What kind of church we had. We would convert the whole world. So St. Paul says he chastises his body and brings it into subjection. Lest perhaps when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. St. Francis used to call his body Brother S. In other words... He was comparing it to a donkey, a jackass who's stubborn. And you have to bring it into subjection. But it's worth it to obtain the kingdom of heaven. Okay? And that's why our Lord in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44, he talks about the the kingdom of heaven, the parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden in a field. Which a man having found hid it and for joy thereof goeth and sell it all that he has and buy it that field. It's worth everything. Everything you have is worth getting rid of just to possess that. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a merchant seeking good pearls. Who when he had found one pearl of great price went his way and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a net cast into the sea, and gathering together all of all kinds of fish, which when it was filled, they drew out, and sitting by the shore, they chose out the good into the vessels, but the bad they cast forth. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall go out and shall separate the wicked from among the just. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, uh, you know, our Lord's trying to encourage us. To think about, meditate on heaven. One of the most important things is your vocation. Because your vocation is connected with your salvation. And I told you, I'll tell you again, especially those that have children you have to have your children praying every day to the Blessed Virgin that she will reveal to them their vocation, what Jesus wants from them. Because that's where the graces are for their salvation. Nothing's more important than that they have a disposition of holy indifference, which means no matter what God chooses for me, once he makes it clear, I will fulfill it. And I told you, once God chose you, if you reject that vocation, it's almost impossible, okay? Almost impossible, he says, to save your soul, okay? Almost impossible. But we've come to the end of this mission, and the whole thing is, you know, we are living in a wicked world, a wicked generation. To save our souls, we must practice and exercise heroic virtue, okay? Okay? It's no longer good enough just to get by. You can't. You have to practice heroic virtue. You know who said that? Father John Harden. He knows what he was talking about. He was a holy man and a learned man. In the early days of the church, okay, the Catholics never missed Mass. And if they were were caught at a Mass, their heads would be cut off. They would be put to death. But they knew they couldn't survive their wicked generation. They knew they couldn't survive and that they would apostatize when it came time to witness to Christ and his church. If they didn't receive the body and blood of Jesus, how much more today? How much more today do we need the body and blood of Jesus Christ? I have a book here, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with called Our Lady of Good Success, about the revelations. This, you have to read these revelations. This is approved by the church. And it's about Our Lady gave revelations to Mother Mariana in the 16th, 17th century. And she prophesied the 20th century in our time, what would take place. It's unbelievable. And this, is, this was prophesied by Our Lady to this nun. In the 17th century, look what she said to this lady, to this nun. She said, join this time. In as much as this poor country will lack the Christian spirit, the sacrament of extreme unction will be little esteemed. Many people will die without receiving it. Either because of the negligence of their families or, or a false sentimentality that tries to protect the sick from seeing the gravity of their situation. Others impelled by the malice of the devil will themselves rebel against the spirit of the Catholic Church. Thus, many souls will be deprived of innumerable graces, consolations, and the strength they need to make that great leap from time to eternity. As As for the sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with his church, it will be attacked and profaned in the fullest sense of the word. Masonry, which will then be in power, will enact iniquitous laws with the objective of doing away with this sacrament. This will make it easy for everyone to live in sin and will encourage the procreation of illegitimate children Born without being incorporated into the church, the Christian sphere will rapidly decay and the precious light of faith will gradually be extinguished until it reaches the point that there will be an almost total and general corruption of customs. The effects of secular education will increase, which will be one reason for the death of priestly and religious vocations. Do you hear what Our Lady told her over 300 years ago? This is horrible. And we are living it now. The sacrament of matrimony has been attacked viciously. She's saying, look, I mean, it's unbelievable. Everything has been fulfilled, which she revealed. She goes on to talk about the sacraments of holy order. the the sacred sacrament of holy orders will be ridiculed, oppressed, and despised. The demon will try to persecute the minister of the Lord in every possible way. He will labor with cruel and subtle astuteness to deviate them from the spirit of their vocation and will corrupt many of them. These depraved priests who will scandalize the Christian people will incite the hatred of the bad Christians and the enemies of the Roman, Catholic, and Apostolic Church to fall upon all priests. This apparent triumph of Satan will bring enormous sufferings upon the good pastors of the Church. Moreover, in these unhappy times, there will be unbridled luxury, which acting thus to ensnare the rest into sin will conquer innumerable frivolous souls who will be lost. Innocence, innocence will almost no longer be found in children, nor modesty in women. In this supreme moment of need of the church, those who should speak will fall silent. Do you hear that? In this supreme moment of need of the church, those who should speak will fall silent. We are living this—the scandals that have taken place by priests and bishops. Have, people despise us. I've been spit upon as a priest already. I've been mocked a million. I've been in the airport where people see me walking with my—I always wear my clerics, of course. And people grab their little kid like I'm gonna snatch them. The priesthood is despised. The church is in trouble. Holy Mother Church is in shambles. And God wants to raise saints up to convert the world. We need this. And that's what the mission's about. Sanctity. Trying to become, inspire you to really take this serious that you want to become saints and win souls for God. He needs us to have the spirit of martyrdom. That we are willing to sacrifice even our own life. And the only way that's going to happen is if we believe and are willing to suffer. And that we need to pray. We need the sacraments. You see what Satan's doing? What, is, what did Our Lady say? The priesthood will be despised. Even the good priest will be despised because of the scandals from the wicked ones. And so are you willing to meet this challenge? Are you going to take my advice and con- consecrate yourself to the mother of God, your children, so that you will go out there and win souls for Jesus? I want to read from Father Mateo's book again. Father Mateo, once again, promoted what he called the home enthronement of the sacred heart. Where the priest would come in the house and have a mass and take a big picture of the sacred heart and would be enthroned. In other words, it would be put in a prominent place. And the father, the mother, the children, friends come and you're making a statement that Christ is the head of this family. That Jesus Christ reigns here in our house. And we will follow his laws. And Let me tell you, there's miracles that happen when you do this. If you haven't had your house enthroned, you better try to do it and get a priest that will do it for you. Because it is awesome. It brings many graces. And the power of the home enthronement, the power of those that love Jesus, is unbelievable. The devil hates the social reign of Jesus Christ. He's tried to dethrone our Lord. You can't even, as a priest, if you preach on the social reign of Jesus Christ, which I do... They want to kill you. Devil hates it. I want to read to you a story because God wants you to know this once again. That you have the power not only to save your own soul, but to save others through your penance, prayers. You got to get this through your head. Some saints even believe that we're even responsible for a certain amount of souls in this world that God wants us to bring into heaven. Nobody goes to heaven alone especially the priest so here's a story from father mateo this is a true story a repented sinner was making his first communion on his deathbed you hear this a repented sinner was making his communion his first communion first communion on his deathbed what a grace His wife and his three sons were also receiving our Lord for the first time. The whole household had arisen to a new life. With tears in their eyes, they all joined in thanksgiving to the sacred heart who had been so merciful to them. An aged servant, evidently overcome with joy, came near the sick man's bed. Master, she said. At this heavenly moment, allow your old cook to congratulate you. When her master deeply moved, had shaken hands with her, he continued. She continued. For over 25 years, I have served you and during all this time. I have not only done my humble duties, but I have prayed, made sacrifices Receive daily communion as an apostle of the sacred heart. Begging for only one grace. Begging for only one grace. That I might not die and enjoy heaven. Before I had seen our divine Lord triumphant and victorious in this house as he now is. The sacred heart has granted this great miracle. Now I can die content. My mission is fulfilled. How touching is this story? It moves my heart. It really does because it shows you this woman. She was a servant for 25 years. He didn't even notice her probably. She cooked. She cleaned. But every time she cleaned, she did it for Jesus. Every time she cooked, she did it for Jesus. Sanctify your life. Every moment you could sanctify. Holiness is in the moment. And Satan hates it when you do that. Because you could save souls like this lady did. If that lady was sent there to save those four people, five people, three children, she's gonna have a great glory in heaven. So Father Mateo tells us about the home in Droman. And he says that the, the home in Droman is about Jesus sharing your life, your family life. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. Every little minute detail in your life means everything to him. He died for you. Before I go on and read these two stories by Father Mateo, I'll tell you a very a true story that happened to me. And you're going to laugh because it sounds a little silly, but... There's a meaning here. This old elderly lady, she was very sick. She was kind of handicapped for a while. And she wanted me to enthrone the sacred heart in the house. So I said, sure. So I come there and I set up. And I'm talking with the lady first. And some of her friends came over. And this poor old lady was terrified. You want to know why? She There was this mouse... In her house. That was torturing her. She called in the best exterminators. Nobody could get this mouse. It was, it was like Mighty Mouse. I'm not lying. It's a big. And so she told me the story. And this lady was trembling. She was she was crying. She said, I can't use my stove. She opened her stove. The oven, too. There was mouse droppings and all. And I felt so bad for this lady. And so I just said, oh, well, all right. So you know, I'm having the, I celebrate the mass. And I. I say some words. I preach a little sermon. And just came to me. I said, you know, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. You think he wants you to be tortured by some mouse? God made creatures to serve us. Okay, not the other way around. I said... Those exterminators may not be able to get that mouse, but Jesus will. I said, where is he? So she showed me where he comes out. I took my exercise holy water, went over there and squirted a whole bunch of that. I said, that mouse will be dead by tomorrow morning. Because the sacred heart loves you. And it sounds silly, but let me tell you, guess what? The next morning she called the neighbor screaming because that mouse, a big fat mouse, was dead. Right there in the middle of the kitchen. And it sounds silly and stupid, but it's not. Because that helped give up confidence that if God is worried about a little, he'll do that for you. He'll do anything for you. If you call upon him. How much more will he want to help you save your soul? So listen to Father Mateo. talks about how Jesus, when we enthroned him in the house... He becomes part of our family. He shares in all our joy, all our sorrows. We have to bring him into everything. And he talks about this now. He says, the incident which I am going to relate occurred during the world war. One day, a mother, a woman, a wonderful fate received an official telegram which told her of the death of her eldest son. She just lost her son in the war. It was a terrible shock, but conquering her emotions, she ran to the living room, placed the telegram at the feet of the King of Love, and then calmly called her little ones and the servants. She asked that the throne of the Sacred Heart should be adorned with unusual splendor. She herself helped to beautify the shrine with flowers and candles. Then she bade all sing with her, and herself led the singing. After the hymn, they recited the credo and the act of consecration. It was only then, after that the family had, so to speak, presented alms to the king and made open acknowledgment of his presence in this great grief, that the mother took up the telegram and read it to the children. Your brother, she said, sobbing, has gone to heaven to, to the arms of his king. He will be done. His will be done, she said. Long live his sacred heart. May his kingdom come. They wept, of course. They did, but peacefully and on the heart of Jesus. This is not the grief of flesh and blood, but a glorious A meritorious one. This is how we should lovingly suffer for Jesus. Those that love Jesus, even in the deepest hour of grief, she was able to praise God. What glory she's going to have in heaven. This is awesome. Now, he goes on. A very different picture now, but with the same fundamental idea. It was the yearly day of the distribution of prizes and six boys came home from school laden with medals, books and certificates they proudly made for their father's room, expecting congratulations and presents. On seeing them coming in, their father said, do not come in here first. Follow me. He led them into the living room where the king was enthroned. Now, he said, go and place your prizes before this divine master and say to him, we love thee, thy kingdom come. The six boys obeyed joyfully and recited with their father an act of consecration. Now, he said, let us go to your mother so she may also congratulate you. But never forget That in this home, the one who rules and must never be forgotten, whether in trouble or in joy, is the heart of Jesus. These are beautiful stories. And they should make you weep. They make me weep. We have to love Jesus like these people do. Get this book. It will set your heart on fire. He has a thousand true stories in here. Some say he was... The greatest preacher since St. Paul. And Father Wolf told me that in one of the books, I forgot which pope it was, but he said you could pray to him as if he's in heaven. So the whole point, I want to end the mission on that note, is that this is what it's about. Let us give ourselves to the Immaculate. She will bring us to the sacred heart of Jesus. Let's not only enthrone Jesus in our homes, but mostly in our heart. That we are willing to live for him, die for him, suffer for him, to bring souls to heaven. I'd like to thank everyone for the cooperation, for your cooperation, for coming here, for the whole mission. And those that came for the mission, if you will say the prayers for the Holy Father and our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, go to communion. And if you're detached from all sin, venial sin too, you can receive a full indulgence, and I'll give a blessing in a minute. And we will give, we're passing out the Holy Cards so that you will remember this mission. And I have one request. I beg you to pray for me that some bishop will open the door for me and will let me make it possible that I can go around and preach these missions throughout the whole country and the world, that he'll let us put together a band of missionary priests that want to live for Jesus and die for Jesus and bring souls to him. Because right now, I'm not getting, you know, it's very I don't do missions as much as I used to. I'm here with the bishop's permission. But I beg you for those prayers so that souls will be saved. That's all that matters. So that Jesus will be honored. So if everyone will kneel, please. Benedictio de Onipotens, Patris et filii Et Spiritu Sante descendat super vos et meneat semper. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.